You're listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast pace. Good at running back, good at receiver, good at tight end, better defense, elite coaching. Stop telling me the Patriots can't win. Opinionated. I don't do lists. They are worthless. Stop bringing them to me and stop getting invested in them. To the point, it might finally be time to admit I was wrong. The Red Sox are not going to finish fourth in the division. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com on this Thursday. We are, uh, we got our brand spanking new intro there, courtesy of Part-Time Jack. What do so you think? It, I like it. It's nice to, you know, to be off the hook for saying the Red Sox were going to finish fourth. So it's nice <laughs> to have something different in there on the Red Sox there. So, yeah, accountability. That's what this business is all about. Accountability, transparency, and honesty. So uh, we are here. We're disappointed, by the way. No WDEV night over at Thunder Road. But both Jack and I were looking forward to going. But that will be made up on September 10th. We'll have a rain check on that. So we have a short show today planned until 610. But... We're not quite sure what's going to happen with the Red Sox weather. So as of now, the Red Sox are planning to play, and I would imagine if nothing has happened yet, they are at least not going to postpone anything while we're on the air. They may start it and have to stop it, but my gut tells me that if it's 5.30 and people are already headed towards the stadium, they're at least making an effort to play. So my gut tells me this will be a 40-minute show today on the Brady Farkas Show. Uh, if... For some reason, like because we leave here around 7 p.m., even if we end the show at 6. Yeah. Um, would we be able to go back on the air at like 6.30 and if, have the rest of the show? Uh, my guess is that they're not going to cancel it that quickly. That's that's my gut. So my gut tells me that uh, once 6.10 happens, it's theirs until at least 7. They're going to wait it out. I'm kind of surprised by that, given that this is getaway day for Toronto, and you know they're going to be playing each other multiple more times again before the season ends. So I am kind of surprised that if there's a threat of rain, that they're not going to bag it early, but evidently they are not. So we're on until 6.10. Bruce Bosley of the Travis Roy Foundation will join us at about 5.50 and talk about the announcement that was recently made of this being the final year of the Travis Roy Wiffle Ball Tournament. You can get in on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. That's your Locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. And Jack, let go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're always online at sticksandstuff.com. So this was breaking news about an hour ago. The San Diego Padres are about to, are on the verge of acquiring Max Scherzer. And I'm happy that the Red Sox aren't going to acquire Scherzer because I simply didn't like the price tag that it was ultimately going to cost the Red Sox to get Scherzer. Of course he could have made a difference. I'm happy that Scherzer's not coming to Boston. But I'm actually very upset the more I thought about this over the last 24 hours, I am very upset 
that Red Sox ownership reportedly pushed High and Bloom to try to acquire Max Scherzer. And I'm happy that they failed in that push. And Scherzer had made it known that he wanted to play on the West Coast, so maybe ownership's pushing High and Bloom. It obviously didn't end up mattering. But my point still stands, Jack. I want ownership to let High and Bloom do his job. And meddling isn't an example of that. The Athletic put out yesterday was Jim Bowden, former Major League Baseball GM. He said, Boston ownership is encouraging High and Bloom to make a push for Scherzer as they're dreaming of a Chris Sale and Scherzer starting rotation for the first place Red Sox. The Red Sox hired High and Bloom to do a job. And they hired him to do a job his way. I get it. The owners have the money. So ultimately, yes, they're allowed to meddle as much as they want. But I am not a fan of this kind of meddling. You hired a guy who's a smart guy, who's been in baseball for 15 years, Ivy League educated, and a guy who has clearly shown that he knows what he's doing so far. He has done nothing. Ian Bloom has done nothing to make you rethink your decision to hire him. He should be given the latitude to continue running the organization in the most prudent way possible. And that most prudent way possible never included blowing out the farm system for Max Scherzer. I understand ownership and fans want to win the World Series. I do too. And if acquiring Max Scherzer was solely about money, if it was solely about taking on contract, and that's all you really had to do, I'd be all over it. I advocated for the Red Sox to acquire $60 million on Eric Hosmer's contract. If it was just about money, I would say go ahead and make all the moves that you want. I'd be fine in that scenario with ownership going to High and Bloom and saying, look, we've got deep pockets. We'll pay whatever you need. But this was never just about money. It's about prospects. The Nationals, in trading Scherzer, want to restock their farm system. So if the Red Sox were or did try to acquire Scherzer, they would have been forced to dig really deep into a prospect pool that they've worked really hard to rebuild. And Haim Bloom never wanted to do that. And the Red Sox shouldn't want to do that either. Jack, the Red Sox fired Dave Dombrowski in part because the cupboard was bare. This 2019 season wasn't very good, and there was no help on the way. There was no relief. High and Bloom was brought in to fix that. And 18 months later, ownership is practically begging High and Bloom to get back into that situation. Yeah. Bloom knows that that's not the way you do things. He has built a first-place team, as it is, and he should be allowed to keep building it. You're absolutely right. I think ownership should let Heim do his thing. I think back to that Moneyball movie yep. where, um, you know, Brad Pitt. He was he was going to the owner all the time, and he was saying, "Can I can you know? Don't tell me what like let me let me run my show." And the manager was talking. You know, he was he was trying to do one thing, and and Billy Bean was trying to do another thing, and ownership was trying to say, "Yeah, but you got to stay within. You can, I can't even give you two hundred thousand dollars to go and to go and help the team, right? Like he, th- that was meddling." And here, Heim Bloom has done such a good job with building a team that's competing for this championship and for ownership, 
who forced Himes' hand to trade away one of the top three players in baseball in Mookie Betts, now they're saying, oh, wait, now let's go spend the money now? Like, that, to me, I, I don't gets think on my nerves. It's not about money, really, right now, I don't think. Because Scherzer's money is, is like, it's really complicated, Scherzer's contract. Money is deferred all the way until 2028. So the actual money isn't really the issue. I, it's, not the, a, it's, it's just about the principle of the fact that that ownership was stingy and cheap a year ago. And now here they are saying, okay, now we're going to go and pour the pour the bags into that's it. because the money isn't the issue the prospects are the issue the prospects are what it takes to get scherzer not the money he only has like 10 million dollars left for a for an acquiring team it's a bunch of money spread out until 2028 but the prospects is what bloom doesn't want to give up i mean and here's what makes me laugh i went back to october of 2019 and i found the opening press conference for high and bloom and Sox chairman tom warner said High and Bloom possesses the essential qualities to establish a sustainable baseball operation throughout the organization with an emphasis on long-term success at the major league level. High and Bloom's favorite word is sustainability. If you want to build a sustainable winner, High and Bloom is well on his way to doing that. You asking him to get Scherzer and give up three or four prospects to do it, that's you building for a one-off year. And the goal... 2019, when he's hired, the goal was to be sustainable. Now you're asking him to gut the farm system again and play for a one-off year. Jack, we've got some of the some of Tom Werner's own words here. We've got the tapes to yep. prove this. And, and I'm I have my finger down on the trigger, ready to hit play. Hit it now. Himes' experience with the Rays allowed him to touch, understand, and lead every aspect of a major league team's baseball operation, from setting a vision and structure for player development to the seamless integration of analytics into game management. And at the age of 36, Haim has developed a well-respected reputation across the league and is known by his colleagues as someone who is creative, thorough, and collaborative. In 2019, you praised Haim Bloom for being creative. In 2019, you, you, you uh, praised him for being understanding of the new way that things are done so you hired him because he fit these boxes because he could do things that you had never done before and, and now they're telling him how to do his show and now they're asking him to not they're not only telling him how to do it they're asking him to do it the old way this way got dave dombrowski fired it did win a championship and i as a red sox fan look you can justify everything dave dombrowski did but that bill came due in 2019 and 2020 they talked about not wanting that bill again. They wanted to be good every year, and that's why High and Bloom was brought in, and they are asking him now to do it the old way. And I saw a great article from John Tomasi of NBC Sports Boston who says, this is a, con a continuous problem with this Red Sox ownership group. Theo Epstein was upset by the meddling, and ultimately it led to his departure. Ben Charrington had win-now pressure signed Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval, let John Lester go, and that blew up in their faces. Dave Dombrowski, again, was hired to win, and he won at all costs, but again, that bill came due. You hired High and Bloom. Let him do his job, and for once, get out of your own yes. way. It's the Brady Farkas Show. Preach. On WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. One thing that was interesting, again, Scherzer's going to San Diego, so this is kind of immaterial. 
Scherzer had said he didn't really. He had, now he has a no trade clause. He could veto any move he wanted. And he has ten five right. Well, that I mean that's what gives him the no trade okay. clause. Okay. So the ten five rule is if you're in the league for ten years, five years with the same team, you can veto anything you don't want. He was going to veto it looked like anything that wasn't to the West Coast. He only wanted to play Dodgers, Giants, Padres, those three teams. No Yankees, no Mets. He said outright, I will not play for them. I can only presume he also wouldn't have played for the Sox. Question is for the text line, 802-585-3026, why? The Red Sox are in first place. We think that the Red Sox have a chance to win the World Series. Yeah. Oh, we know. Why would Max Scherzer not want to play in that situation. Well, um, I hate to take the wind out of your sails here, but Ken Rosenthal five minutes ago did tweet that sources say other teams are trying to top the Padres, which tells me that the Nationals are still fielding calls because a deal has like players are all in, are all ready to go from the Nationals to the to the Padres, and right now there's reports saying that there's teams out there trying to one up them. So Rosenthal adds that, now that you bring that to my attention, Rosenthal adds that other teams are trying to top the Padres. You're right about that. He says the Nationals and Padres have players they, agreed to. Which tells you the Nationals are still fielding calls. But, but why are they still fielding calls? They have an agreement in place. Yeah. Scherzer, as you just said, has 10-5 rights. He can block anything. Is he now at the last second saying, no, 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 now I don't want to go to San Diego? <laughs> the, the players are already agreed to. The Nationals like the package from the Padres. They've accepted the package from the Padres. It's got to be Scherzer is in here saying, whoa, I'm not ready to go to San Diego. And what's the reason? They're five and a half back in the division. Does Scherzer not want to go to a place where he's going to have to play in a one-game wild card? Does he only want to go? That's true. That's tr Because everyone's forgetting that the Giants yeah, the, are running that division right now. So does he want to only go to the Giants who are in first? Does he only want to go to the Dodgers who are further, you know, closer to the, to the Giants and maybe have a chance to overtake them? But still my question stands, why does he not want to go to Boston? I, I, I didn't see that report. Like, I, I would need to go look at that because the list that I saw listed all the first-place teams. They listed that those teams were interested in Scherzer. I thought those were the teams that Scherzer would not veto the no. trade to. The, there was eight teams put out yesterday, all of which had reached out to the Nationals about Scherzer. Okay. Scherzer has that full no-trade protection, and he had said no Yankees. He had said no Mets, and I can therefore presume no Boston, he seems to only want the West Coast. And the reason I think he thinks that is we spend a lot of time bashing Boston and wondering why free agents don't want to go here. Is it a racist city? Are the fans too tough? Is the media too tough? Why do people not want to play in Boston? It's everyone's favorite thing to do is bag on Boston. I don't think at all this is an anti-Boston thing. I think Max Scherzer does not want to come to the American League. At this point in his career, I just think he just wants to stay in the National League. And I'm not he calling him hit. I'm not calling him soft or weak for that or whatever, but he's been in the National League for the last seven years. He's clearly comfortable with the brand of baseball played. He's faced everyone he'd come in contact with, so it's not like he's out learning a bunch of new teams and new opponents. He's already got the scouting reports as well as the internal knowledge. I just think there's a comfort in the NL. And frankly, I get it. Like, I, too, wouldn't be rushing to face the Red Sox or face the White Sox or face the Astros. I'd want to stay in the National League, too, for my own success and an opportunity to get through the playoffs. I think there is an easier chance to do that in the National League. And by the way, 
all three of those NL West teams, Giants, Dodgers, Padres, they may all be better than the American League teams we're talking about, the Red Sox and the Yankees. Those are the teams that we're interested. They very well may be better than those teams. So it stands to reason that he may see those teams as better fits to try to win the World Series. I, you know, marginally surprised because of what I said, like, Dodgers and Padres are not winning the division right now and at this point are headed for a wild card game. So I may have wanted to go to a place a little more locked into playing for a division title. But, um, you know, I don't think this is an anti-Boston thing. People want to make this stuff anti-Boston. I don't think that this is anti-Boston. One in ten odds that Scherzer gets traded before the end of the night. Oh, I think he's getting traded before the end of the night. I'm, I'm more looking at are we... Uh, you got to get him traded before the end of this show at 610. <laughs> we that's, break the news right here. That's where I'm at right now. Uh, it looks like Danny Duffy is going to the Dodgers, whatever yeah. that's worth to people, or the Royals. So, uh, Red Sox, though, right now, clock is ticking. We're inside 24 hours, and Sox have done nothing. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. A little local sports news to come. The Travis Roy Foundation announced recently that this year would be the final year of the Travis Roy Wiffle Ball Tournament in Vermont. We find out why that decision was made when we speak to Bruce Bosley of the Foundation. That's next, right here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in Brady Farkas Show right here on a Thursday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Big piece of Local news, local sports news. It kind of cuts both ways on this one. Uh, this year is going to be the final Travis Roy Wiffle Ball Tournament over at Little uh, the Little Fenway, Little Wrigley, and Little Field of Dreams Complex over on the Essex-Jericho line. The Travis Roy Foundation has raised more than $6 million at these Wiffle Ball Tournaments over the past 19 years. And joining us now, someone who's very, very involved with the TRF Wiffle Ball Tournament and the foundation, it's Bruce Bosley. Bruce, how are you? Hey, pretty good. First of all, it's not going to be the last one. Okay, it's the last one sponsored by the foundation. Um, there's still maybe the teams involved are, you know, as you as you know, Brady, being up there and playing with some of these guys, they're a big family. So they may they may have one down the line. Okay. So, okay, so it's the last one sponsored by the but, foundation. Yeah, the foundation is going to be um, due to Travis's after Travis passed away in October. It was uh, the foundation. He he, did, he wanted the foundation to be turned into a trust. So the money, the money that's raised at this tournament and the other events, uh, I believe in in 2022. I can't speak for the foundation on this. They're going to have more information the, on the exact dates. Is the money will go into uh, what's similar to like a trust at uh, two hospitals that have served the spinal cord injury families and. In, uh, pa- patients and families, and there's other money that's uh, given to the research as well. So they're, they're the the all volunteer army. And uh, how about that, Brady? Where do you see a fund, a foundation that raises money, um, uh, twenty million dollars or twenty-two million dollars over a certain amount of time, and, and they only have one full-time employee, right? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it relied on volunteers, and and Travis wanted to. Give the volunteers a break on his way out, I guess. This tournament, which has been such a big part of the foundation, this tournament, which has been such a part of the community, we're sad to see it go, but the work will go on. Does this mean really then that is, from your understanding, kind of the 
outward-facing events are all going to go away. It's not just this tournament, then, it sounds like. I think the uh, what they sent to the captains is that they um, uh, there's three or four big events, and oh, including a huge fundraiser, which is going to be bigger than ours at the Boston Marathon every year. And I think uh, they wanted, because of last year, they wanted everybody to have one last one last trip around the bases, so to speak, with each each one of the events. So there's a beanpot challenge. There's other events I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I can't speak for them on that, uh, uh, that fundraiser events they have. But uh, everybody gets one last one last go around. How much has this tournament meant to the area? Uh, well, let me just for the foundation. They, they've they've raised twenty million dollars in what uh, twenty five years, I believe it is, or twenty plus million, and six million has been generated here in Vermont. And that doesn't include the million-dollar goal this year. Uh, lest we forget of the news is that we're still want, we still want to raise a million dollars this year. Yeah. The last uh, in-person tournament, we raised uh, uh, three-quarters of a million. Yeah. And then last year, our virtual tournament raised, th- say, $370,000. So that's a million dollars in the last year. So we w- And our thermometer shows we're well over the, the $200,000 mark. As of today, close to three hundred thousand already. So you know it means a lot to the area because let's face it, you know Pat O'Connor. Yeah. He built a built a field in his backyard, not knowing just for his kids and his friends to play on. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was the South Burlington Little League. He wanted to have a fundraiser there, but nine eleven got in the way. He reads Travis's book, um, Eleven Seconds. He has kids that play hockey. It could happen to him. So he wants to set up a tournament amongst a bunch of friends, 2002, just to raise nickels and dimes for the Travis Roy Foundation. And the first year, seven teams, I believe, and they raised $2,500. Had a blast. The next year, I mean, it just it expanded from that. How about that? In a backyard. It's truly an amazing place, it's an amazing weekend, it's an amazing story. And uh, Bruce Bosley helping us tell it here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Travis passed away last fall tragically, and a lot of people certainly uh, who got a chance to be around him are going to miss him. Um, what does this year's tournament specifically mean to you and the people who are close to Travis? It was going to be a tough one no matter what. It really was. Um you know, our committee and a lot of the people, the wiffle ball teams, there's 31 of the 32 teams are back. And I'd have to say 29 of the teams have been around for at least five to 10 years at the minimum. So it's a wiffle ball family. So it was going to be tough without Travis, the first one. Travis, Travis, it wasn't just his name on the letterhead. Travis was involved in everything. And it's been really hard sometimes picking up some of the pieces to get going again it's like well who do we call for this well travis did that who do we call for that well travis did that so he was involved quite a bit and it's been hard on that but it's also been people have opened their doors to us as well so reopen the doors that open the doors that they open to travis have reopened them to us really easily well, it's a special weekend. It's a special cause. Travis was a special person. And uh, you were right. Best weekend of the summer. It aptly is named just that. And uh, Bruce Bosley from the Travis Roy Foundation. I'm going to be out there again. But why don't you give the listeners 
the dates, the kind of range of times that got, that people can come out and see, and other things they can spend some money on to help donate to the cause. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks, Brady. Um, TravisRoyFoundation.org is where you can find all the information. Just click on the Wiffle Ball links. It's August, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, August 13th, 14th, and 15th at Little Fenway, Little Wrigley, Little Field of Dreams in Essex, off Sawmill Road, drive through uh, Jericho. Uh, 5.30 on Friday night is the Celebrity Sponsors game and the opening ceremonies. And also the play gets underway throughout the games Friday, all day Saturday. 2.30 on Saturday is the money count ceremony. And that's when usually Travis speaks, but we're going to have some other people speaking. And we also have highlights and video of Travis speaking in the past as well. And then it wraps up on Sunday with the championship game, usually about 4.30. There are a, There is a kids game at Little Fenway, 12.30 on Saturday, free of charge. Little kids can uh, play at Little Fenway and a couple of home run derbies at the other two fields. Uh, for a donation, I know Brady, you served him up well a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's good. You know, don't. Do, I don't know if you want. I don't know if my arm can handle another <laughs> round of the uh, the uh, home run derby. But if the tournament wants me to throw, I will throw. We we can. You can get a few. We'll, we'll see what we can do. And I know you got. You're playing on a team, right? On Goodfellas this year. Is I'm not correct? on a team this year. Oh, no, okay. I, All right. No, I'm not playing this year. I was coming out as a spectator, but if you want me to serve up some gopher balls. Uh, come you on know, up. You, you this team is built for that. And, and, and not just you, Brady, but anybody can pay the 10 bucks and step in the box and, and get, the, get, get some swings. All right. Sounds good. Bruce Bosley, Travis Royce Foundation. The tournament, the final one at least, uh, sponsored by the foundation. Yeah, we'll see August. what the future brings us. And really... Uh, we, uh, our tournament, in fact, we'd love to thank, we'd like to thank Ken Squire and WDEV for every Radio Vermont for everything and Steve Cormier, uh, for everything they've done for us in the past. Really appreciate it. Well, absolutely. I will pass the message along. Great. Thanks a lot, Brady. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks very much to Bruce Bosley, the Travis Roy Foundation there. And, uh, you know, WDEV has certainly been involved in a lot of charitable efforts and contributions over the last 90 years. And that's one that uh, I know that management has been proud to partner with. It is truly a magical place and a magical weekend. You know, when I first got to Vermont um, at another radio station, the salespeople took me out to Little Fenway just to see it when nobody was playing on it. And I was instantly hooked. I've been fortunate to be out there for three years to see it in person. I've played, I've pitched in the home run derby, and I've soaked in the experience. And to hear Travis Roy talk every year at the money count was amazing. You felt uplifted and you felt like a better person for just being around him. So I encourage everybody to go out to the final Travis Roy Foundation sponsored wiffle ball tournament this year at Little Fenway, Little Wrigley, and Little Field of Dreams. So uh, thanks to Bruce Bosley. Day two of Patriots training camp is in the books. Bill Belichick never gives us anything, but refreshingly honest today about some positional battles. We'll tell you who he's talking about on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back with Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. WDEV, AM, and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball is set for us to at least go to the broadcast at 610. We know the tarp is on the field right now. No word of a delay, though, and certainly no word of a postponement. So we are going to send you out to Red Sox baseball at 610. 
No idea if it's actually going to get started at 610, though. I have a quote from Cora, and I'm sure everyone's going to hear this in a few minutes when WEEI takes over the station. But every, this is from Alex Cora. Everybody is excited. They read. They wonder. If we pull the trigger and we bring someone in here to help us win the World Series, then they will be very excited. Sounds like Boston's looking like... And I mean, it's not—it's not a whole lot, but it sounds like they're excited to, at the prospect of bringing somebody in. Well, we'll see what happens. And the trade deadline is less than 24 hours from now. We'll have a full recap of it, including what the Red Sox rivals have done coming up tomorrow. I do want to go before we get to the lineups, though, to the Patriots. Bill Belichick with some interesting and honest tidbits today after day two. Listen to him talk about his running back situation and Damian Harris. You know, Damian was a player who improved a lot from year one to year two, um, and now. You know, this year has a is in a little bit different role now, where you know he has an opportunity to really you know compete for the you know for the lead spot, and so you know he's embraced that. He's worked hard. He's been here since you know the last day, the day after the season was over. He's he's worked as hard as anybody has in the off season. This was kind of a rare admission from Belichick, wasn't it? I mean, usually yeah. Belichick plays things very close to the vest, and even the other day when asked about the quarterback position, of course he was very non-committal. Well. Here he is, committing to Damian Harris, having a real shot at being the bell cow back for this team. And that's exactly what the Patriots should do, is make Damian Harris the bell cow back for this team. He should be the top running back. He was by far the most valuable Patriots offensive piece a season ago. He averaged five yards per carry last year. He averaged, you know, he had 700 yards in just 10 games. So Damian Harris, at one point, was ranked the best running back in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. The Patriots' offense had, like, zero balance last year. They were awful in the pass game for most of the year. They had no real threat of the pass. Teams were not afraid of the pass. The Patriots were completely run-dependent, and teams were able to stack the box against them. And despite that, Damian Harris still found a way to just shred defenses. He runs hard. He can run between the tackles. He can run outside the tackles. He absolutely should be getting the most carries on this team, and he should way outpace anything that Sony Michelle was given. Like, I really don't think the Patriots need Sony Michelle. I advocated for the team to trade him just last week. I advocated for the Patriots to trade Michelle to the Rams to try to replace Cam Akers, who's injured there. Like, the only reason to keep Michelle around at this point is his Damian Harris insurance, as far as I'm concerned. Damian Harris only played 10 games last year. He has been banged up for the first two years of his career. That's the only thing that gets me worried at all about him. Sony Michelle only, for me, really feels like Damian Harris insurance. I'd trade Sony Michelle tomorrow if another team came calling for him. I mean, I think this team has enough. James White, I like J.J. Taylor, Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, who they drafted. Brandon Bolden can carry. Cam Newton can carry. I think this team has enough running options that they don't need Sony Michelle. But if they are going to keep him, he certainly should fall below Damian Harris on the depth chart yeah. and in the number of carries. I mean, Sony Michelle, I've always said this. I the, the draft pick was justified because he helped carry them to a Super Bowl. He, they drafted him in the first round, and he helped carry them through the 2018 postseason. They do not win that Super Bowl against the Rams without Sony Michelle dominating against the Chargers and dominating against the Rams in what was a really otherwise ugly too. offensive game and against the Chiefs in the AFC title game. 
Sony Michel justified his draft selection. But really, he doesn't offer them a whole lot anymore. He's had some moments. He has not justified being drafted you know, in the first round other than to me because he helped them win the Super Bowl. But a lot of people are done with Sony Michel, and I'd frankly be okay if the Patriots were done with him also. Thank you for the memories. Thanks for the Lombardi Trophy. Now, go, go kick off your career again somewhere else. But uh, Damian Harris, to me, is the guy in Foxborough. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball about 90 seconds away against the Blue Jays. Jack, hit the music. Delayed. The Red Sox come in at 63 and 40. The Jays at 50 and 48. The Rays have already won today, beating the Yankees 14 to nothing. Pitching matchup is Eduardo Rodriguez for the homestanding Sox. He's 7 and 5 with a 5-2-3, but he's been much better of late. Hunjin Ryu's 9 and 5 for the Jays. He's got a 3-4-4 ERA. The lineup that Erod will be facing, George Springer is the DH. He homered yesterday in game one of the doubleheader. He's at 239. Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s got 80 RBIs. He hits second and plays first. Marcus Simeon is the second baseman. He bats third. Bo Bichette is the shortstop. He bats cleanup. Teoscar Hernandez is in right. Randall Grichik's in center. Kevin Biggio in left. Santiago Espinal's at third. And Reese McGuire is the catcher. For the Sox, Kike Hernandez leads off. He's at second. Jaron Duran, he of the triple slash almost inside the park homer yesterday. He's hitting 172. He's in center field. Xander Bogarts is at short. J.D. Martinez, the D.H. Hunter Renfro in right. Alex Verdugo's in left. Christian Vasquez is the catcher. Bobby Dahlbeck's at third. At third base today for Bobby Dahlbeck. Franchi Cordero is at first. Rafael Devers left last night's game two of the doubleheader with an injury. Team says they hope that he's back in the lineup on Friday, but he will not play today. That came from Alex Cora just a little while ago. For part-time Jack, I'm Brady. Thanks to Bruce Bosley for joining us as well to talk about the Travis Roy Wiffleball Tournament. Full show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Here's to hope when we play a full game. Socks are now.